Hello and welcome to Northeast Christian Church online service. We are so happy to have you with us. Please be sure to follow NECC on all social media platforms. And to listen to all our past messages, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the service. I know some of you cannot possibly listen to me speak with this crooked poinsettia, so we will take care of that right now. How is that? We're almost there. Ah, come on, come on, come on. We've got to cooperate. I don't know. That's about as good as I can get, so look up, all right? Lift your eyes. <laughs> don't look at the poinsettia down there, all right? Now that we've taken care of that business. <laughs> um, I want to draw your attention to a passage of Scripture in the continuing series this morning from the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2. So as you grab your Bible and turn there, uh, I feel like the Holy Spirit wanted us to know this morning that there is more, there is more than we have currently experienced with God. There is more that He wants to give to us. There is more that He wants to share with us. And I believe that He's going to communicate that through this passage this morning. So if you have your Bible now, Luke chapter 2, we're going to be reading, picking up after the announcement of Jesus' birth in verse 21 and reading down through verse 38. Luke 2, 21 to 38. And I'm reading from the New International Version this morning. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been, been, been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout, he was waiting for the consolation, that's the comfort, of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption 
of Jerusalem. Will you join me in prayer as we ask the Lord to speak to us today? Lord, this is your word. You spoke it just as you spoke the world into existence by your word. And we pray now that by your Holy Spirit, you would take this word and you would quicken it, you would make it alive to us today, and you would speak into our hearts the very thing that you have destined for us to hear today. Lord, give us ears to hear what you are speaking to your church. And Lord, we will be careful to hear and to listen and to move with what you want to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Waiting is contrary to the American way of life. From instant oatmeal to rapid COVID tests, most things in society are destined, designed with speed and convenience in mind. Or there are millions of people in, that subscribe to Amazon Prime. Why? To have their packages delivered in two days because waiting longer would be a crime. What's really a crime is the people who steal the packages off the front porch. That's a real crime. I hope that hasn't happened to you. This fixation with the fast and the efficient often transfers into our relationship with God. We as Christians sometimes think that God is going to give us this instant response, like instant oatmeal, uh, because we are his children. And when we pray, we're going to get an answer right away. Scripture, however, points to a different activity that believers are expected to engage in that will prepare us to receive something from God and to be used by him. This passage this morning, I believe, wants to tell us that God's Spirit speaks to and through those who will wait for him. Again, God's Spirit speaks to and through those who will wait for him. Let me give you the context of this passage this morning. Joseph and Mary were going about their daily activities, being faithful to what God asked them to do. You see in this passage, it talks about the customary Jewish requirements that were expected following the birth of a new baby. Joseph and Mary, on the eighth day, probably in their home with their family, uh, you see in verse 21, they named the child and they circumcised the child because the child was a boy. On the eighth day, on the, a week after a child was born, according to the law in Leviticus 12, 2 through 3, they, every Jewish uh, family was to circumcise their, their child to, to show that they were following the covenant with Abraham, that they were joining this covenant relationship, and that they were going to raise this child to follow God. And they did that being faithful to the covenant, and they named their child Jesus, which was the name that the angel had told them to give. We often get these two events kind of mixed up because they appear right after another, but that was one event on the eighth day, and 33 days later, when Jesus was almost seven weeks old, we see the second event here in verse 22, when it comes to the time of purification. It's a totally different day, totally different place. They're now in the city of Jerusalem. Joseph and Mary take the baby Jesus up to the temple to perform for him a couple cere a ceremony and a ceremony for the mother. 
Let me just explain that for you. The first purpose for this presentation, they bring him into the temple to the presence of God, was to fulfill the commandment about redeeming firstborn sons. He's the firstborn son of Mary. And there's a commandment in Exodus 13, 2 and 12, where God instructs the Israelites to bring their firstborn sons to the house of God and also their firstborn animals, and they were supposed to sacrifice them to God. If the word firstborn rings a bell, that's because in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, who does God redeem? Who does God protect from death with the, the last, the tenth plague? It was the firstborn. Yes, he protects them from death, and God gives a commandment and says, forever after you will give me your firstborn. The animals they sacrificed, the children, the firstborn males, they give to God because God rescued them from death in Egypt. And so they, here they are, Joseph and Mary, being faithful to do what they were told to do in the law. They go and present Jesus to the temple, and they redeem him through this process in Exodus 13. The second ceremony here that they're fulfilling is a purification ceremony for Mary. In the law, in Leviticus chapter 12, it set aside certain number of days after the birth of a child, and when that time was completed, then the woman was supposed to go and present an offering for purification. Now, childbirth itself is not sinful. It's not saying that Mary was sinning by having a baby. Nobody's saying that's not what Scripture is saying. But the loss of blood that happened during that whole process was as a reminder, what's a symbol of the sinfulness and the effects of sin that comes on humanity. So it's not that she sinned. It's just that sin has had this effect. And so after 33 days, after 66 days for a girl— the woman would bring an offering to the temple and would be purified so that she could have, uh, be in the presence of God once more, once more in a temple. Here it tells us they bring an offering. You could, br uh, the expected offering was a lamb. It tells us in Leviticus 12. But you could bring two pigeons or two young doves, not one turtle dove, but, or two turtle doves, but here we are. Uh, now you know where that comes from, right? The two turtle doves. So, this is the pair of doves and the, or the pigeons. That's what they bring. Why? Because that's the offering for the poor. Like Joseph and Mary, who are here going about their, their daily obedience to God, doing what they know they're supposed to do, two other people in this passage are living out their lives in faithful commitment to God, named Simeon and Anna. And we will see that their faithful service, it was the avenue for which God could move by the Holy Spirit. So having all that background in mind, I think the first thing the Holy Spirit would want to show us through this passage is that God's Spirit speaks. God's Spirit is speaking. Verses 26 and 38 specifically we see God speaking to people. In this passage, the Lord speaks to or reveals himself to all the individuals who are involved. If you look at the text again with me, you see that the Holy Spirit speaks specifically to the man named Simeon. It says in verse 26 that the Lord had revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Sometime prior to them coming to the temple that day, the Lord had actually said through the Spirit to Simeon, Simeon, I'm going to let you see my son. I'm going to let you see the Messiah, the child who's going to rescue the world before you die. And 
Moved by the Spirit, it says in verse 27, when Joseph and Mary came to the temple, he went, and here he picked up this child and prophesied over him. So Simeon hears from God. Secondly, we see Anna hears from God. Anna is called a prophetess in this passage, a person who has had the experience of hearing from God. And once again in this passage, here to, on that day, she hears from God when at that very moment, not by coincidence, but by the Spirit, she goes into the temple where Jesus and, and Joseph and Mary are, and she declares the goodness of God and presents a message of what this baby is going to do. So Simeon and Anna are just going about their daily business, hearing from God and moving. But Joseph and Mary are hearing God speak in this passage as well. Verse 21, they named the baby Jesus. Why? Because the angel had told them to. God had spoken to them, and they did what they were asked to do. And then they hear from God once more as there's these, two prophet, these three prophetic words in this passage from Simeon and Anna. This causes them to marvel. They're surprised. And I asked myself when I was studying this passage, why are Joseph and Mary so surprised? Don't they know all these things? And I, I, as I thought about it and, and read a little bit, I found out that they're not really surprised about the content of what was being said. They're surprised that this man who knows nothing of Jesus, who knows nothing of Joseph and Mary, who never heard the announcement of the angel, who, didn't, who wasn't with the shepherds, none of that stuff, he comes up at, to them at that very moment and starts to prophesy over this baby. What are they surprised about? They're surprised that this man knows anything at all. Why is it? Because the Holy Spirit spoke to him. Lastly, other people actually hear God speaking in this passage in the very final verse, verse 38, because Anna speaks about the child to all who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. God is speaking all over this passage. And you know, while it's obvious that God was speaking here in this passage, I don't think we can deny that now that we look at the text, the question for today is, God, are you still speaking? Are you still speaking today? Just looking at the Bible itself, you can find that God speaks all over the place. I just did an English language search of five verbs. God said, God spoke, the Lord spoke, the Lord says, God says. Did it on Bible Gateway. You know what I came up with? Over a thousand places where God said something. And there are plenty more with other verbs and other ways where God spoke words. God is a speaking God. If you look at the first chapter of the Bible alone, the first book, the first chapter of Genesis, 14 times in the first chapter, guess what God is doing? Speaking. Guess how the world gets created? Speaking. It's spoken into existence because God is a speaking God. That's the characteristic of God that separates him from all other gods. All the people in the ancient world, they worshipped idols. They worshipped these things that they could see. But guess what they could not do? Those things had no vocal cords. They couldn't speak. Their mouths did not move. Their hands, they had hands, but they couldn't touch anybody. Psalm 115 says, Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him, but their idols, 
They're silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. Noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. Feet, but they cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them frighteningly will be like them. But we will be like God when we worship God. Which means he speaks we hear. He is a speaking God. He wants to be heard. Isaiah 45 tells us that he is not lying, verses uh, 18 through 24. He has not spoken in some secret place. He's not meant, he doesn't mean to be uh, never heard or never understood, but he wants to be understood. He says, seek me. I, the Lord, speak the truth. Turn to me all the ends of the earth and be saved. I have sworn, he says, and uttered a word in integrity that will not be revoked. This word is called the, this book, I should say, is called the Word of God. Why? Because it contains the words of God. This page after page after page is a record of what God is speaking to us even today. There's no reason when we look at the text of Scripture to deny that God has spoken in the past, but the question really is, as I asked before, is he speaking to you? Is he speaking to me today? Is he still speaking? And I would say the answer is yes. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Just before Jesus left, his final day before his crucifixion, he talks about the Holy Spirit in John 16, and he says, when the Spirit of truth comes, that's after Jesus goes to heaven, he says, he will guide you into all truth. He, his purpose is not to speak on his own. He will speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Some could say that only applies to the apostles, right? They were the audience who was there, and so that only applies to the apostles. The apostles were the only one who were going to, they were the only one going to hear the voice of God. But that's not so, because in Hebrews 12, it goes on to speak to people who were not apostles and say to them, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. Even normal, everyday Christians have the opportunity to hear the voice of God. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that there are gifts of the Spirit that are meant to continue on in the church even today. And five of those gifts are what are called or in the category of speaking gifts. They are, God, they are gifts where God speaks a word to someone through another person. 1 Corinthians 14 tells us that when those people were ministering in the gifts of the Spirit in the Corinthian church, and when that happens today, they utter mysteries, or they speak mysteries by the Spirit. And 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says that when the church gathers together, each of you is to come with a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation. Where do you think that comes from? It comes because God spoke to you during the week. A tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done that the church may be built up. Certainly, then, God is still speaking to believers. Obviously, no person today receives revelation that equals this, just to make that clear. 
Nobody will receive, I won't, you won't receive any kind of word from God, and we'll talk about that in a moment, that's going to equal or be greater than this word of God here. This is the capital W, end of all, word of God. But God still wants to talk to us today as we see in this passage. So how does God speak today? You may be asking yourself, so if God wants to speak, how does he speak? And I would say that there are five ways we can see in Scripture where God's way, ways in which he speaks to us today. Number one, the primary way in which God speaks to us today is through this book. If you are not, and I am not reading this book, we're not hearing from God. But every time I pick up this book, I am feeding myself with words from God. They are telling me what? Truth about who God is. They are telling me about truth about who I am and how much God loves me. Every time I pick up this book, God is speaking truth into me. That's his word. In this passage, we see that Simeon had actually been studying the Word of God. How do I know? Because in verse 26, it tells us that he knew about the passages about the Messiah. He knew that there was a Messiah coming. How did he know that? Because it's in the Old Testament. It's in the Scripture. He even quotes part of Isaiah 49.6 in his prophetic word. It was in his heart, and the Holy Spirit brought it out in a moment. Number two, that's one. This is two. Two, God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit by what are called inner promptings. In this text, we see this word of God come as the Holy Spirit reveals to Simeon that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Is that somewhere in the Old Testament? Is there a passage we can look at and say, Simeon was told not that he would not die? No, it's not there. But the Holy Spirit spoke to his spirit and told him that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. This was something separate from the written word, but was in accordance or uh, in the guidelines of the written word. It was proven true when it happened. Another biblical example of this is in Acts 16, 7. Paul and his evangelistic team were going to a place called Bithynia, and they wanted to go there. They thought that God was leading them there, and it says in the text, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. What happened? Aren't, weren't they doing the right thing? Yeah, but the Holy Spirit didn't want them to go there for whatever reason. We don't know. And he didn't allow them. There was that inner voice that said, don't go there. And they went somewhere else. God still speaks to us like that today. That he puts inner promptings in our heart, or he, put word, he puts words in our heart. You may hear a whisper in your spirit, from the Holy Spirit to go somewhere or to speak to somebody. Or he may tell you something as simple as, I love you. It's going to be okay. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we're so busy, we just ignore those things, but that is the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And we think, oh, well, you know, that was just some random thought that I had to call this person. Well, it might be that God wants you to call that person because something, they need an encouragement today. And you were the avenue that God wanted to use. I was the person who had that word for them. And God wants to speak through us. 
So secondly, God speaks through inner promptings. Thirdly, God speaks through what are called spiritual gifts. That takes a whole series of sermon to unpack them, but let me just tell you, there are about 20 spiritual gifts talked about in the New Testament. Ways in which God can move through his church today and speak to people in various settings. There are five of them, as I already said, that are what are called speaking gifts, where things are spoken by people from a from a moving by the Holy Spirit in their hearts, and it's to, to those other people. Those words, of course, those gifts of the Spirit, can't contradict the Bible. So if somebody says to you, uh, God wants you to sell your house and, and move to, I don't know, wherever, uh, well, you better make sure that God actually said that to you. You just don't pick up and sell your house because somebody had a word that they, you know, got over their cheese pizza last night. So they must be confirmed, these kinds of spiritual gifts, these words, and they need to line up with the Word of God. But God does speak through spiritual gifts. Fourthly, God reveals himself through what he has made. You look outside, you look at the beauty of the snow that was outside this morning, and you see the glory of God, the majesty of who he is. Who can create these little birds with all their different features and the different colors? He makes some of the most beautiful animals, and then he makes animals that only God, in all their ugliness, only God could love them. But in all of that, you see the beauty of God. God is speaking through his creation. Psalm 19, you can go read about that, says the heavens declare the glory of God. The, these, they are pouring out the speech of who he is. So fourthly, God speaks through his creation, but lastly, he also speaks through circumstances. And I have to say, this is probably the least reliable way in which God speaks, but he does sometimes speak through circumstances. Because we can look at our circumstances and say, you remember uh, Joseph? He got thrown in jail, right? He didn't do anything wrong. So if I were Joseph and I was in jail and I didn't do anything wrong, you know what I'd be thinking? God hates me. He really must hate me. The circumstances say God hates me. But that's not at all what was going on. So you can't rely on your circumstances to guide you and lead you all the time. Uh, you just can't do that. It has to line up with the Word of God. But sometimes circumstances do point us in a direction. That's why I say it's the least reliable way God speaks. But just to give you an example from the Bible that it does happen, Matthew 10, Jesus told his disciples that if you go to a town... Verse 14 in that chapter, if you go to a town and they don't receive you, shake the dust off your shoes and go somewhere else. Let the circumstances show you that you need to move on. So those five ways, God is still speaking to us. Several years ago, after the dedication for our youngest daughter, Grace, we got a number of uh, cards with monetary gifts in them. And someone at the time was going to be doing work in the house it was right after that happened. And I didn't have time to go to the bank and cash what I needed to cash and deposit what I needed to do. And so I put them in the closet to keep them safe while that person was in the house. Seems like a logical thing to do, except logical me forgot where I put them. Um, I put them in the closet, and this, after that person did their work, a few days later, we were supposed to take care of the checks and take care of all that stuff, and they were nowhere to be found. 
and I didn't know where they were. Kristen didn't know where they were. Uh, we had no clue where they were. I'm sure we prayed about it, but it wasn't too long after that that my mother-in-law, Brenda, who was here this morning, um, had a, like a, I, won't, I don't know if it was a vision or a picture or whatever, while she was praying about these missing cards. And in this picture, I'll call it a picture, maybe it's a vision, whatever, while she's praying, she sees this box in, a, in our bedroom closet. I didn't know they were there. I had totally forgotten about it. And so she calls me up and says, David, I think uh, I got this picture of a box somewhere in your closet up on a shelf. Okay. So I go up in the bedroom <laughs> and go in that closet, and there in that, there is a box sitting up there, and I open up the box, and guess what's inside? All the cards, the envelopes, the envelopes. If you're from an Italian background, you know what that means. The envelopes, okay? <laughs> uh, has all the money in. How did she know that? Because she was praying, because the Holy Spirit gave her something while she was praying. Does God speak today? Yes, he does. Was that something simple? Well, sort of, it was a lot of money to us, um, and I'm sure Grace is thankful that we found it. So, uh, but God does speak. He wants to speak about all kinds of things. He doesn't want to just speak about lost keys and cell phones. However, I have prayed about those things before and gotten answers to prayer. So if you lost your keys, don't be afraid to pray for them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, see, it works. Because God speaks. That's why. He's a speaking God. Without a doubt, God is speaking today. He desires to be heard. The question is, are we in the place to hear him? This passage teaches us that God still speaks, and he desires to be heard. There is more for us than we are currently experiencing. There is more of the voice of the Holy Spirit. There are more ways in which he wants to talk to us than we are currently receiving. There is more. The second thing that this text demonstrates is that those who will wait will hear from God. Those who will wait hear from God. All four individuals in this text are in a position to hear from God because of their lifestyle. Look at Simeon, verse 27. Simeon is two things, righteous and devout. He was a man who was serving God and who was in a position to hear from God when the time came. Anna, verse 37, was worshiping and fasting and praying. Notice she was night and day in the temple. She was always in church. She was always in the house of God worshiping. And she was prepared by the Spirit when the moment came to be moved to do what God wanted her to do. By the way, ladies, you might have noticed in this text, she's called very old. And she has this distinct distinction of being the only New Testament woman whose age is mentioned in the text. So, you know, it's not so bad to get mentioned in the text of Scripture, especially when you're old, but she was uh, at least 84. Uh, some people would say she was older than that, um, but it doesn't matter. She was doing the right thing at the right time, at the right place. Thirdly, we see Joseph, and fourthly, we see Mary all obedient, carrying out their covenant commands. They were waiting. 
They were just doing what they had to do every day. They were faithful to God. They were circumcising Jesus when they had to do it. They were doing the purification ceremonies when they had to do it. They presented Jesus when they had to do it. They were faithful to God every day, carrying out God's instructions, putting their lives in God's hands. And as Christians today, we have this place where we can be with God of faithful obedience, just doing what he wants us to do and desiring to know him. And guess what? At any moment, he can come and speak to us. You know, the reason that the Lord spoke to my mother-in-law was that she was praying about that situation. I, again, probably Kristen and I had prayed, but she was praying. There's a difference between prayed, right, and praying, Okay. That's what she was doing. She was praying about it. And for some reason, the Lord spoke to her as a third party to show us that God knew where even all the envelopes in the world are. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. But so often we're in a place, and I'm including myself in this, where we're unwilling to sit down and wait for him to do that. We expect God to work in microwave moments, microwave methods, the way we're accustomed to him, to, to this life. But being ready to hear from God is a result of worshiping. It's a result of praying. It's a result of fasting. It's a result of faithfully reading and obeying his word. Can God speak to us when we lack those disciplines in our life? Surely he can. God can speak to us anytime. But when we're in his presence, when we're seeking him, when we're praying, when we're driving somewhere, when we're worshiping as we're driving somewhere, when we're doing our daily business of living our life for God, he can speak to us because we're preparing our hearts for him. There's more that God wants to give to us. But are we waiting? Are we ready? Are we listening? The third and final thing that this text demonstrates for us is that the Spirit speaks to reveal God's plans. The Spirit speaks to reveal God's plans. In this passage, God spoke through His Spirit to reveal things about Himself and to reveal what His plans were. In prophetic word number one, which is in verses 29 through 32, if you look at it again, it says that Simeon affirms that Jesus will bring God's salvation, verse 30. That will affect the nations, and this will be a blessing to all peoples, Jews and Gentiles. This information was an affirmation of what he could have already read in the Scriptures, but he was moved by the Holy Spirit to go into the temple at just the right time to see Jesus. That was an inner prompting from the Holy Spirit to be led by the Spirit at that right time. In prophetic word number two, Simeon in verses 34 and 35 further goes on to explain what the purpose of Jesus' life would be and what the effect of his life would be. Jesus would impact many people he says in verse 34, in, in a prophetic word by the Spirit, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. Some will believe, some will not believe. The child would also, verses 34 and 35, be a sign against, that will be spoken against. And the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. His life will uncover many people's motives and their hearts. Whether they feel like they are serving God or they're not, Jesus' life is going to expose that. And then Jesus, or excuse me, Mary is even addressed here as a prophetic word says to her, a sword will pierce your own soul too. 
In prophetic word number three in verse 38, Anna speaks about the child to all who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. We don't know all her exact words, but it's likely in the same vein as what Simeon was already saying, that God would come and comfort his people and redeem them from their sins. So when God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit today, he's seeking to do the same things. He's either going to show himself more deeply to us, or he wants to show us something that we are supposed to do for his kingdom. When God speaks to us through his written word, or he speaks to us through his spirit, to our spirit, he's reminding us of truths about himself. I've had many occasions where the Holy Spirit has come to me as I was praying, or as worshiping, or as worrying, and he would say, I love you. Don't worry about that. I'm going to take care of this. Anybody ever a God come to you and speak through his word in a way like that, where he speaks to your heart and he says, it's okay, I'm with you, I'm going to take care of you. God wants to speak. And then there are times when the Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts and say, I want you to do such and such. I want you to call that person. Why don't you send that person a meal? Can you drop off some groceries for that person? That's the Holy Spirit putting promptings in our hearts. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are Christ's workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The Holy Spirit has works of, of goodness and graciousness, graciousness and kindness that we can do for people. He has them for us to do. The question is, are we listening? That when the time is ready, he can say to our hearts, call that person. They're discouraged. Tell them this. Or take them a meal. You may not know anything about their circumstances, but you go to their house, you give them the meal, and they say, you know what? I'm not, I wasn't feeling well last week, and I can't keep up with all the housework, and we needed that meal, or we ran out of food. I mean, I could, there are countless examples of things like this in life that the Holy Spirit can prompt us to do if we're listening. Several weeks ago, I was praying about uh, a decision, and I needed direction, and I sensed that while I was praying, the Holy Spirit spoke to me with what I called the inner promptings and told me what to do. Uh, it was a pretty important decision, and I didn't want to um, just make it based on what I thought I heard in prayer, which, um, you know, that's good. I wanted an outside confirmation. So I said, God, if that's really you, can you please confirm it? And a few days later, someone came up to me and told me that the Lord was saying to me, go for it. Go for it. Okay. They didn't know anything about what I was praying. They didn't know the circumstances. But not only did they sense that the Holy Spirit said those three words to them, but they even knew what the decision was about. person didn't know anything about it. How did they know? Were they psychic? No! We serve the living God. We serve a speaking God. We serve a God who wants to speak and move in our lives. So God spoke to me and confirmed that word to me. That was exactly what I needed. That was the confirmation for the decision I had to make. God wants to be heard. 
Are we listening? These events in this passage today show us that God desires to speak to us. He wants to reveal his plans to us. He wants to reveal things to us that we can do to bless other people, and we can meet their needs. This text shows us that God's Spirit speaks to us and through us as we wait for him. Being in the place of daily faithful obedience, that's what Simeon and Anna were doing. That's what Joseph and Mary were doing. They were going about their business. They were worshiping. They were praying. They, they just lived their lives for God. And guess what? God showed up through the Holy Spirit, and he spoke to them, and he spoke through them, and powerful things happened. That wasn't just in the Bible, friends. It happens today. God wants to move today. His Holy Spirit wants to do something today. This passage shows us that there's more to God than we probably ever experienced before. There is more of himself that he wants to reveal to us. There are more ways that he wants to use us to encourage and respond to others. Mary Evelyn, if you could come and join us. A few moments, I'd like us to, to sing that song that she was leading, Your Presence is All I Need, because truly that's what it's all about. As we end this year and we look toward a new one, there's more. There's more that God has for all of us. The question is, are we waiting? Are we waiting for him to speak? Are we willing to respond to his call to wait for him and to see what more he might do through us? Are we willing to move beyond our microwave moments with God and fast and pray and seek God and worship and wait? In the month of January, we have a month of prayer. We have a month of fasting. Why? Because at the beginning of the year, it's a good thing to begin your year seeking God. Seeking God, saying, God, what do you want for me in 2022? 2021 is gone. It's not coming back again. But God, something new, something powerful that you want to do through me, that you want to do in me, that you want to do in this church. There are people who need to be touched through this church. There are people who need to be healed in the presence of God in this church. There are people who've never heard the voice of God speak to them before. And God wants to speak to them. And whether they listen to this online or they come into this room, God wants to speak. Are we listening? Are we listening? God responds to us when we come to him all over the Bible. God says, come to me. Come to me. Revelation 22, 17, one of the last verses in the Bible says, to him who is thirsty, let him who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life 
without price. Jesus says to us, draw near. And he will draw near to us. I'm going to ask you this morning to respond to the word of the Lord this morning. That may be coming to the altar if you're comfortable with that. That may be getting up out of your seat. But if you desire that God would speak to you, that may be raising your hands. Maybe you're not comfortable with raising your hands. But you would say, God, I want more. What I have is not enough. There's more. I want more. As we sing this song this morning, make that your prayer. God, I want more. I want more. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. Thank you for being with us today. Be sure to listen to all our messages on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And follow us on ne-cc.org for all information and updates. Thank you. God bless. Have a great day.